What's up, Surf City? Yeah, yeah. It's good to see you all. Hey, guys, I brought water today. Yay, right? You live and you learn. I am learning. You know what I didn't live and learn through today, but I will tomorrow, is um, when you go to the beach, you should put sunscreen on your body, right, which is great. And I did that, but somehow I happened to forget my face, and so I look like a tomato. It's fine. Don't do that, okay? It hurts very badly. Um, how was day two of camp? You guys love it? Yeah? Right? I love it. Um, it was really fun to like see you guys out and about. It was a beautiful day. You guys were doing really fun things. I also love and just have mad respect for every person that came and guessed how my finger was cut off. So thank you for doing that. It was actually surprising. There were a lot of people that guessed how it happened, but then there were a lot of really crazy answers too. And I think that's what made it really fun. So I'm trying to come up with like another accident that I had in my life sometime that I could possibly tell you about, but I haven't determined one yet, so to be determined on that. Um, I also went jet skiing today. Did anyone go jet skiing? Yeah? That was wild. Who was terrified? Anybody? Okay, I love the honesty in here. Okay. I was also terrified. I went and I was with Shane. Give it up for Shane. Anyone? Yeah, right? And I was like, Shane, don't kill me, okay? Um, and I told him I was really scared and I was going to scream. And I did scream. And then at one point I was like, I think that's going fast enough. Like, please stop. Um, and he was really gracious and he did slow down and it was wonderful. So yay, it was a great day all around, except for the sunburn. That's pretty much the only boo for my day, but all good. So we're going to dive into night two. Is it night two? It's actually night three, which is crazy. We've been here three nights, Sunday night, Monday night. This is Tuesday. I can count. I know my days. All right, so we're going to step into the second block, though, of my story and then who God is in his story, right? And so I'm going to give you um, a little context into this one. So if you can see this here, it says identity in the middle with a question mark, okay? So um, kind of look at this word, and I think some of you might know what this means, right? Like, our identity, who are we? And sometimes we think it's like the things that we do or the things that we're a part of or the things that we're good at, and so we try to, like, figure out our identity. Like, who are we? And that's a really big question for especially the, the ages that you guys are into. Like, middle school and high school are those, pr like, prime years where you're like, who am I? And you're like, I'm really good at, I don't know, this sport, but, like, is that all I am, right? You kind of like go back and forth. So I also had that when I was in probably in middle school, high school that time. So this is why. So I was homeschooled growing up. Any homeschoolers out there? Seriously, you're the only one? That's wild. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, you're not the only one because I was also homeschooled. So I was homeschooled growing up, okay? So I went to school at home. It's literally exactly what it sounds like. So I went to school at home, and my mom was my teacher, and my siblings were my classmates. And so I had the smallest class ever. I was a class of four. Um, I did rank number one in all four of them. No, I'm kidding. We were all in different grades. Oh, wow. Round of applause. Thank you. Oh, I feel like I should give a speech or something um, for being number one in my class of the only person in my grade. It was great. Okay, but the homeschool life was awesome. Like, Sorry, guys, you missed out big time. 
Um, I literally got to like wake up whenever I wanted to. I got to wear my PJs and do my schoolwork. My mom would like list out the things that I had to do for the day. And as long as I got them done, that was my day. Like how clutch is that? Is that not amazing, right? Yeah. Now you all wanna, you're gonna go home and be like, hey, can I be homeschooled? And they'll be like, no, get out of my house and go to school. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm sure whoever you live with loves you and might consider homeschooling you. Maybe. Probably not, though. Um, it's a hard job, <laughs> from what I've been told. So anyways, it was great, though. Like, I woke up. I was like a, I was a 15-hour sleeper. So I would wake up at like 10, 11 o'clock. I'd roll out of bed. I'd be in my PJs. I'd open my math book. I'd get some homework done. I'd go out and play in the yard. It was like prime, prime school day. Okay, so it was the best life. I have some pictures, of course, because I just love having pictures. So I've got a picture of me like so proudly holding my binder. Yep, look at that flip out hair. That was wild. Um, what? Kitty? Kitty cat. Yeah, I don't, I don't even like cats. Like, why do I have a cat binder? I don't know. Apparently, I like them then. So I was like, first day of school. That was also fun. We had first day of school pictures, and it was like standing in front of our kitchen door. It was great. Um, this is, we went to D.C., and I'm pre, we're pretending to be like the president. This is our serious face. Yeah, I'm really serious there. Um, but what was so cool about that is like we got to go to different places, and that counted as school. So we would like go to Washington, D.C., go out for lunch, go to a museum, and it would be like, school day, check. So right, so this was like the perfect life for me. I loved it, it was so fun, I thought it was the coolest thing. And then I started to like get into middle school, high school, and I wanted to play sports. And so you can't really play sports by, just by yourself. So I started playing sports at schools and like starting to go to youth group and different stuff at church. And people were like, wait, you're what? You, you're homeschooled? That's weird, do you have friends? Do you know how to talk to people? Do you just like live in your house and like a hermit? And I was like, what do you, excuse me, what do you mean? That's the coolest thing ever, right? Like I, get, I would get a little offended. But over time it started to like wear on me a little bit. Like I was like, oh wait, am I weird? Like, is that weird? Am I this like different person? And it, it actually made it hard for me to like fit in. I'm not even kidding. One time I was at something with, I thought were my friends, and they like wouldn't let me in somewhere because I was homeschooled and they thought I was weird. And it was just like really, it was shocking to me because I'm like, you don't even know how cool this is. But to the world, I was, I was identified as like someone that was different than them and they didn't know what to do with that. And so I started to like struggle a little bit internally and be like, whoa, okay, like maybe who I thought I was or who, what I thought was really cool is actually not what I am. But, you know, we know all this, but I was also a Christian, so I was like, okay, well, let me go back to the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about me, right? And when I looked, I, it wasn't what I was expecting. It actually really, like, shook me up. I was like, what do you mean this is who I am? And when I say this is who I am, when I talk about this and when we read these scriptures in the Bible, it's who we are, like, from the moment we're born. So I'm talking like in our flesh, in our human flesh. So everyone touch your arm, touch your arm or touch your face or touch like your flesh, okay? So who we are right now, this is who we are. When you were born in the hospital or wherever you were born, this is who we are. And I was reading these things and I was like, oh gosh, this is bad. This is not good. And I was expecting it to be good, okay? So I was a little shaken up. So this is what it says. Here's some different scripture I'm just gonna tell you. So in Ephesians, it says that we are God's, Enemies, literally an enemy of God, right? 
Second one, we're without a home. Like, we don't have a home. I mean, you might have a home here on earth, but like, we don't have a home with God. It says we are foreigners and aliens to God. He actually, it's like he doesn't know us. It's so crazy. It says that we deserve death. Yeah, I thought it was, I was like scared being weird and being homeschooled. And I'm reading this and being like, what do you mean? It says that we are hostile to God and we actually cannot do anything to please God. So I'm thinking through this and I'm like, wait, wait. But this doesn't sound like the God I've learned about, right, in my Christian home. This doesn't sound like the God, you know, the, the nice, loving God. And I was like, why is this the case? Well, if you remember from yesterday when we talked about what God created and how Adam and Eve made the choice to give all of that up and choose the way that they thought would be better, in that moment, they brought sin and death and destruction into this world. And guess what? We're born of this world. When we are born in the hospital, we are born of this world. And so it says in Genesis, it says that Eve would become the mother of all the living things. So they were the first people created. So we all come from the line of Adam and Eve. So we are all in our flesh when we are born. We are all born of this world. And this world is separate from God. It's not in the same place. That's why it says we're God's enemies. And so in Romans 5, we can put that on the screens. In Romans 5, 12, it explains this. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, right, through Adam, and death through sin, in this way, death came to all people because all have sinned. So I'm reading this stuff, and I was like, well, this doesn't help me know who I am. This makes me sound like I'm rotten. I am. And guess what? All of you are too. In our flesh, I know, right? It's crazy, but... That's not me saying it. It's because we're born of the world. We're born by sin and death. And because of what happened in the garden, because of that choice, we ruined the way that God wanted it to be. So now we live in the remnant of destruction. So you might be sitting here right now, and I can kind of tell with some of you guys right now, you're like, cool, thanks, Alyssa. That's really helpful for us. Well, it doesn't end there, so... Don't worry, okay? I won't leave you there, I promise, for too long. So that's us. That's literally our identity from the moment we're born. That's who we are. So that's over here, right? But now let's turn over and look at here. So holy is the word that we're going to talk about with God. So holy means perfect. It means nothing common or ordinary. It means set apart. So God is holy, we are sinful. God is all the way over here and majestic and holy and perfect, and he can't be around something that's not perfect. But we know that God desires a relationship with us, so he doesn't leave us in that place. But I want to tell you about this story about a guy named Moses. Has anyone heard of Moses? Yeah? Okay. So Moses, let's see, um, I'm going to pick a few people to tell me something about Moses. Raise your hand if you know something about Moses. Okay, what do you know about Moses? Yeah, Ten Commandments from God. Love it. What else? He talked, did you read my notes, guys? He, I love it. He talked to God through a burning bush. What else do you know about Moses? He split the Red Sea. You're right. Back here. Yeah. He what? 
You're right. He went to live with the Israelites, God's people in Egypt. You're right. So there's this Moses. Go ahead. Last one. He did. He brought the plagues into Egypt. God sent him in to do the plagues, right, to send those. So Moses, he started as this baby, right? And Moses, um, God said to Moses' mom, he said, hey, protect him because the, the Pharaoh is going to kill all the firstborn boys. So if you're a firstborn in this room, you're going to die. I mean, you're not actually, but in the story, okay, trying to make you follow. All right, all right. Bring it back. All right, ready? Okay, so Moses, baby, God said, hey, send the baby in a basket down the river. Then he goes down this river with crocodiles and everything, and Pharaoh's um, daughter picks him out. He raises him to be an Egyptian, but he doesn't live with the Egyptians. He goes and lives with God's people because he's actually an Israelite, which is the God's chosen people. So he goes to live with them, and then he leaves because he ends up killing somebody, and he, he gets in trouble. So he leaves, and then God comes and speaks to him through a burning bush. And he says, you're going to go back and you're going to free my people from Egypt. And so he goes and he does what God tells him to do and all of this. And this man was just amazing. I mean, yes, he started out rough maybe and there were some patches in his life, but he ended up freeing everybody or leading people out. God freed them. Leading people out of Egypt. He split the Red Sea with his staff. He literally took his staff and put it in the water and the Red Sea split and there was dry ground, and the people walked through the dry ground. So this guy and God were like tight. I mean, Moses and God, they talked to each other. God talked to Moses. Moses talked to God. These people were tight. And so you think like, okay, well, maybe Moses, there's something that Moses had that maybe we don't, so that's why he could be with God. But that's not the case. Even as tight as they were, God was still holier than Moses. God was still separate from Moses. And we hear about that in the scripture of Exodus 33. So it's going to be on the screens for you guys to read. So this is a conversation between Moses and God. And Moses is saying, hey, God, can you help me know what to do with your people? And so he says in verse uh, 17, it says, the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. So God is saying, I know you by name and I'm pleased with you. So then we continue on. Verse 18, then Moses said, will you show me your glory? He asked for this. Will you show me your glory? And the Lord says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on those who I have mercy, compassion on those who have compassion. But, he said, and you can read it up there. It says, but you cannot see my face, for no one can see my face and live. This is how holy God is. That Moses, even though they were best friends in a sense, he couldn't even see God's face or he would die in that moment. And so then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when I pass by, when my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft. I'll protect you. Put you in a cleft of the rock, cover you with my hand until I've passed. And when I remove my hand, you will see my back, but my face you must not see. So this shows you the holiness of God, that even Moses, who was this like awesome, you know, believer and wanted to follow God with his life and was doing all the right stuff and all of this, right, might have seemed perfect in a sense, was still too sinful 
for, in his flesh for God to be in face-to-face relationship, right? He said, if you see my face, you will die. So he said, I want you to die. I'll put you and I'll protect you in a cleft and I'll put you around in a cleft, right? And so we, we have this little conflict, I guess you could say, right? So we're over here and Moses and everybody of the flesh is over here and we're sinful and we're too sinful to even see the face of God. And God's over here and he's so holy and he's set apart and he's the God of the universe. Did you see those stars last night? Woo! That is our God, but he is holy and he is big and he is perfect. And so he's over here and he's saying, that's that's pretty far away, right? And we're over here and we're saying, that's so far away. And it leaves us in this place where we really can't do anything, right? We can't make ourselves better. Moses tried. Moses did all the right things, but he still could not be close to God. He still could not see God's face for who he really was. This reminds me, this part of like the story reminds me of dreams. And you're going to be like, I don't understand. But I'm going to tell you why. So I hate dreams. Is there anyone in the room that can relate? Anybody? Okay, a few people. I hate dreams. Like Inception, has anyone seen Inception, the movie? Yeah, all right, all right. So the Inception movie is so fascinating to me, but also terrifying. So it's one of those like, "Eh, eh, I don't know what to do. I'm kind of going to watch with my eyes closed. So it's crazy, but I hate dreams. I think they're super weird. I wake up and I'm like, how was I dreaming about that? But I'm living here. And anyways, there's just a disconnect. And I think for me, it's mostly because I rarely dream. And so when I do, they're always really bad dreams. Like those are the only dreams that I remember are the ones that are awful. So a few years ago, I had this reoccurring dream, which means it's like it happened over and over and over again. And I'd go to sleep. So I already hate dreams, but I would go to sleep. And somewhere in my dream, me and my family would just be running in this rock structure. Like have you ever had a dream like this where you're literally just running And like, you don't know what you're running from, but you also don't know what you're running to, and you can't find a way out, and it doesn't stop, and it's just like spiraling, right? And so we were running and running and running, and I remember feeling like I needed to find an exit, but every time I would get close, I would like fall back to the other level. Like I think of, um, I don't know, Mario Kart, right? Doesn't that, Donkey Kong, perfect. Like that, doesn't that happen where you're like going one way and then all of a sudden you're like fall off? Maybe that's just me, I'm a bad driver. But you like fall off to the beginning and you're like seriously? So you start over again and then I would never find a way out. And so I would wake up from these dreams and I would feel really anxious and be like, that was awful, I hate dreams. Like that's really what it came down to. And you feel this anxiousness, it's almost like a hamster that like runs on those wheels constantly, right? And it's just this constant running and wanting to get somewhere, but also knowing that you can't. And so I think that's what we might feel in this moment. We're over here in our sinful identity. God's over here in his perfect, holy identity, and we can't find a way out. We need something outside of ourselves. And so we come to this question, right? And I'm going to say it to you. How can someone so sinful like me, someone that is an enemy of God, someone that cannot please him, someone that can never do enough to be in his presence, how can someone like me be in a relationship with a God so holy? But we know that God desires that relationship because do you remember back in the garden? What did he desire? 
to be near to Adam and Eve, right? What did he desire? What did he desire? Right, he desired that relationship. So he's not going to leave us there. So this is what happened. This is crazy, okay? So God wrote the Ten Commandments, and in that, he also wrote some other laws. And he said, okay, okay, here's a way that you can come into my presence. Here's a way that you can be near to me. But you're going to have to do these rules, and you're going to have to do these laws, and you're going to have to follow these things because I'm a holy God. And I wrote, written in my word that there has to be an atonement. Say atonement. Atonement. Atonement means to make up for or make amends. So an atonement is like a way to repair what used to be there, okay? So it, this was a split relationship. It was ripped apart. It was separated. It was severed. But he had to make something to atone, to amend those relationships. And so this is what he says. He goes, all right, so I'm going to give you a way to do this. It's going to be through blood. Say blood. Blood. It's going to be through blood, okay? So in Leviticus, this is where we get all the laws, the Old Testament laws. In Leviticus 17, this is what it says, maybe. Nope, I didn't put this on the screen. Sorry, I'm just going to read it. It says, for the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement. There's that word, to repair or make atonement. For yourselves on the altar, it is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. So what would happen is day after day and month after month and year after year, they would have to come into the temple and they would have to bring an animal, literally a live animal, right? This is about to get graphic, okay? So they would bring a live animal and depending on what they were offering or asking forgiveness for, they would have to bring different animals. So they'd bring them into the temple, and before they even came into the temple, they'd have to wash themselves. They'd have to cleanse themselves. They'd go through a cleansing process. Then they'd walk in, and they would be in a room full of um, oil, and they would have to pray, and they would have to walk through all these steps. And then, in order to walk in, there was only certain people that could walk into the holies of holies, and that's where God was. And so there were only certain people that could walk in, and they had to put on special clothing, and they had to go through all these things. They had to be free of any sin. They had to do all of this, and they carried the animal. So they would take it in to the holies of holies, and they would put it on the altar. And in that moment, they would sacrifice, and that means kill, okay? So they would sacrifice the animal, and the blood actually would be like cover the altar. And in this then they would be able to get forgiveness for their sins. They were able to be in the presence of God. So it's awesome, right? God created a way for us to be in relationship with him. So great. Yeah, it's super hopeful. Okay, so all you have to do is every day you have to go through all those ceremonies and all of that before you can ever go ride a jet ski. Cool? You guys good with that? No. No. So, you know, they lived this way for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years they lived this way. And yes, God was good by giving them away, but God is better. He's not just good. He's the best. And so he said, you know what? I don't want you to have to do that your whole life. I don't want you to have to come over and over and over again. I'm just going to take care of it once and for all. Right? Amen to that. He took care of it. He set another plan into motion in that moment. He decided to send his son as the ultimate sacrifice. And the blood of his son actually is the thing that covers our sin 
forever. Not wild that God would send his son to say, hey, you no longer have to bring me sacrifices every day. You no longer have to do all these things to come into my presence. I'm just going to send my son, and my son's blood is going to cover that separation. It's going to cover me from being sinful in my identity, and it's going to cover God is holy, so it's going to cover this gap between us so that we can live in relationship together. So tomorrow, we're going to dive into what Jesus' life looked like, what he did for us, and how we get to live with him. But here's what's awesome. All of these things, going back to identity, all of these things are to give us the identity that God intended for us in the garden. In the very beginning, in the creation of the world, God intended for us to have an identity, not of the identity of the world, not death and destruction of the world, but to have an identity that he set in motion for us. So I don't know what you've been told about who you are in your life. I don't know what mean words you've been told. I don't know who you've been, who has said things about you. We all carry the weight of people's words. It's a real thing. But I'm going to take a minute, and I'm going to put them on the screen. We're going to take a minute and see who God says that we are. Through Jesus, this is who we are. God loves us so much that he didn't make us live in that world identity, but he can actually bring us back to the identity that he intended for us in the garden. So it says in the first one, Galatians 3.26, it says, nope, yeah, yeah, that's the right one. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So he says, you are a child of God. You're a child of God. 1 Corinthians 3.13, it says, do you not know that you are God's temple? We literally are God's temple, which is wild. That means he can live in us. In Psalm 118.26, it says, blessed is he, sorry, these are a little out of order um, on my sheet. That's my bad. It says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. So God says, you're my child. I'm here to bless you. You are my temple. uh, We'll look at the second one. Their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. I think I put the wrong verse up there. Okay, and skip down to the third. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That means that we are literally royalty. So this is the identity we get. We get to be children of God. We get to be alive in Christ. We get to be blessed. We get to be God's temple. We get to be co-heirs and royalty in his kingdom through the blood of Jesus, through what Jesus did on the cross. And so today, I don't want you to live in the identity of the world, but I want you to realize that that is how you were born. You guys need to understand, not you guys, we, me, I need to understand that I don't just, I'm not just born an amazing person. I'm not. I'm actually born really, really far away from God. And we need to recognize that our sin is not just about lying to somebody. Yeah, that's a sin, but that's not it. It's not just about um, being mean to somebody, right? Those aren't just the ways that we sin. We actually are just sinful in our flesh. So we all need a way to get to a holy God. We all need a way. And so I want us to sit in that, but also have hope that through Jesus, we can go back to our intended identity. I would hate for you guys to leave here and be like, wow, okay, I'm awful. I'm an enemy of God. No, you're not. You don't have to be. You don't have to be because of what God did for us. So back to my homeschool story for a moment. 
I was told I was weird. I was told I was quiet. I was told I probably wasn't going to do anything with my life. I mean, in a weird way, right? I was told that I probably wasn't going to be social or have friends or any of these things. But God changed my identity around. And now I know that, yeah, I might be weird, but I'm going to be weird for God. And I'm not quiet. Am I quiet? No, I'm not quiet because God has given me a voice to speak out, right? He has given me a boldness, and I have found the identity that he intended for me to have rather than the identity that the world said I had to have. So, guys, we're going to pray. You guys have been awesome tonight. We're going to pray. Thank God for that he created a way in an impossible situation, and we're going to um, just spend time even to feel the weight of the holiness of God. So, Lord, we love you. Thank you for being our creator, and thank you for being holy. But Lord, thank you for making a way when it seemed impossible. Thank you for making a way and for helping us when we couldn't help ourselves. God, would you remind us who we are in Jesus Christ? Would you remind us that we are heirs, that we are royalty, that we are loved, that we are children of you, that we are accepted, that we are alive, and would you continue to help grow that hope in us today? So, Lord, we love you. And all of Surf City said? Amen. Amen. Okay, but you guys got to stay here because I heard there's some wild stuff about to happen.